From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. The Prime Minister is adamant that the government will not commit to further stimulus of the economy. But as a $60 billion hole shows up in the JobKeeper program, questions are being asked about whether enough is being spent. Today, columnist for the Saturday paper, Paul Bongiorno, on the credibility of Scott Morrison's argument. Paul, Scott Morrison started this week at a chocolate shop, well, a chocolate factory. Tell me what was happening there. On Sunday, Ruby, Scott Morrison was at Robin Row Chocolates in Murrumbateman to introduce the Liberal candidate for the Eden Monero by-election, Fiona Cotvoice. In the doorstop afterwards, he was asked about the $60 billion hole in the JobKeeper program, which I have to tell you is the biggest error ever made in budget calculations since the states federated 119 years ago. Um, There are many things you don't know in the middle of a crisis. And when you're designing programs and schemes the size of, of JobKeeper, there were many unknowns. Morrison said he got a call about the error on Thursday night and he put the blame squarely onto Treasury and the tax office. But he claimed um, that his government, before the pandemic uh, spending spree, had in fact brought the budget back into balance. This is the government that brought the budget back to balance. This is the government that constantly exceeded expectations when it came um, to the financial performance of the budget. He said it was actually good news that the program was costing less because it was like having a tradesman revise down a quote on your house. If you're building a house and the contractor comes to you and says it's going to cost you um, 350,000 bucks and they come back to you several months later and say, well, things have changed and it's only going to cost you 250,000 bucks. Well, that is news that you would welcome. And he was very clear that this would not mean the program would be expanded. It would not be broadened to cover people who are currently excluded and are out of work. Morrison said it wasn't free money. It wasn't sitting somewhere waiting to be spent. It was being held by lenders. And he was relieved he wouldn't have to borrow it. And so if the suggestion is is that we should be increasing borrowings more than would be needed to deliver the program that we've designed and delivering? Well, the answer is no. Paul, do we know how they could have overestimated this scheme by such a big amount? Well, it was a combination, Ruby, of panic and carelessness with numbers. Panic because the pandemic was threatening to spiral out of control and the medical advice was our health system would be swamped and thousands would die. But a former Treasury Secretary, Bernie Fraser, says a degrading of the public service and a failure to triple-check the numbers didn't help. And finally, Australians responded to the lockdown containment measures better than most elsewhere on the planet and so we avoided the worst-case scenario. So... Was this press conference kind of a warm-up for Morrison's big speech on the economy, which was at the press club on Tuesday? Well, you might say that, Ruby. Uh, Sunday, in fact, was his first public appearance for 10 days. And by the time Tuesday had rolled around, Morrison had worked up a medical metaphor for the crisis and how he wanted to deal with it. Uh, Key ministers 
who were there at the National Press Club, smiled their nodding approval as he came awfully close to saying the stimulus was over. He said at some point, you've got to get your economy out of the ICU. You've got to get it off the medication before it becomes too accustomed to it. This was the moment the Prime Minister said, basically, we, uh, we need to unplug the patient. Morrison said that in the short term, demand stimulus by the government can help the economy. But he really wanted to be clear that it must only be temporary. There are more than 5 million Australians directly benefiting from these initiatives at a now anticipated direct cost of more than $150 billion in just six months. All borrowed, all of it, against future tax revenue. These supports can only be temporary. Now, the big question, Ruby, and the one we really don't know the answer to is how short is short term and how temporary is temporary? You know, just by example, the temporary Parliament House in Canberra lasted 61 years. Anyway, earlier in his address, Morrison gave an assessment of the economy, which basically confirmed the patient wasn't fit enough to be released from intensive care and won't be for a while. Success in the current phase will certainly not be easy. And it can't be assumed as we go through this reopening process. It will not be business as usual. Opening up will be harder than closing down. Australia is looking at a grim three to five years, he said as we're all in uncharted territory. There will be inconsistencies, there will be frustrations, there will be trial, there will be error. During that time, the Prime Minister says we'll see unemployment and underemployment rise. Debt and deficits to rise sharply as costs rise and revenues fall. Morrison is already warning that this will test the country. It was notable that the Prime Minister avoided numbers as much as possible in the speech. There was not one new number in it, and certainly no commitment to ongoing new stimulus. Like the Treasurer last week, he was sticking to the September deadline for job seeker and job keeper payments to cease. One Labor wit Ruby told me that the only new figures in the speech were the page numbers. We'll be back in a moment. The Every Moment Matters campaign provides accurate, evidence-based information and advice about alcohol, pregnancy and breastfeeding. It has been created by the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education and endorsed and funded by the Australian Government. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FASD, a lifelong disability. So make the moment you start trying the moment to stop drinking. Visit everymomentmatters.org.au to find out more. For long-time editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for, please. <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro-therapy on yeah, this. If, yeah, that's, no, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Paul, we're talking about the Prime Minister's economic update at the National Press Club. What was the new package that he proposed? Ah, uh, yes. After Job Seeker and Job Keeper, Morrison has now given us Job Maker. What is Job Maker? 
Well, it's, a, well, it's another marketing slogan uh, that for many is wearing thin, especially because this one is. He's looking to business to earn Australia's way out of the crisis, he says. To strengthen and grow our economy, the boats we need to go faster are the hundreds of thousands of small and medium and large businesses that make up our economy and create the value upon which everything else depends. But, Ruby, I've got to tell you, there's not a reputable economist in the country who thinks business has the grunt to do that without billions more being injected into the economy by the government. And that is why the Treasurer and I, together with the Cabinet, have supported this as an emergency response. But it must only be temporary. And, of course, this gets us back to the $60 billion hole in the original stimulus suite. That's money that was to be pumped into the economy when you think about it and that the Treasury predicted was needed. Well, now it'll apparently be withheld. As economist Stephen Kokoulis points out, the biggest casualty of the $60 billion mistake is in fact the size of the economic stimulus that the government had committed to. And maybe it's just bravado, but the Prime Minister and the Treasurer now claim they're saving future generations from debt. But that's dangerously misguided. Economics writer Ross Gittins put it starkly in the Sydney Morning Herald. He wrote, if Scott Morrison lacks the courage to spend as much as is needed, as it seems he may, he's likely to be kicked out at the next election because we'll be still languishing in a recession that's deeper and longer than it needed to be. And Deloitte Access Economics' Chris Richardson's been making a similar point of the government needing to spend a lot more to revive the economy. You know, Ruby, we need the Cabinet to gulp again, as Morrison said it did when it committed more than $200 billion two months ago. And just maybe it will in the October budget, although the Prime Minister's rhetoric is doing nothing at this point to suggest so. There was a sense, wasn't there, though, a little while ago that the government might be more flexible on this? Oh, yeah, well, for a brief moment, two weeks ago on ABC Radio, before the $60 billion costing error, Assistant Treasurer Michael Suka helpfully suggested that if the scheme was undersubscribed, then there was a likelihood of wholesale changes to extend the eligibility to the thousands of casuals and others who missed out. You and I would perhaps be having a different conversation if today... You said to me, Michael, well, there's only 3 million employees who are covered. You know, it was half what we expected. In that case... Suka told Raphael Epstein if those covered by the JobKeeper were halved from the original 6 million, then perhaps, he said, they would be having a different conversation. Given where it's tracked, I think... It's largely tracking is in, in, a, in a successful okay, I, I don't way. Ask, is that still the position? Of course, we now know uh, we have three million after the miscalculation and we're not having that conversation. A week later, Suka backtracked on the same show, probably on Dr Morrison's orders. Well, I mean, I was making a very self-evident point, Raph, that uh, we will be reviewing the scheme, as you know, in June. That's, that is happening. Um, and the number of employees and indeed the number of... Well, well, anyway, that leaves 5 million Australians currently covered by JobKeeper and JobSeeker who will face the prospect that their support will collapse to the original unemployment benefit, the old new start of $40 a day when the scheme ends in September. Uh, the, para- the broad parameters of the scheme, in our view, are smaller 
than what was otherwise expected because of uh, the improved health outcomes, which has led to an improved economy. So I think that really deals with... So, Paul, how would you sum up the Prime Minister's week? Well, two words, Ruby, uh, aspirational and vague, or maybe with a pinch of inspiration thrown in. But I've got to say, apart from all of that, there wasn't a new job to be found anywhere. And in the middle of this pandemic, there was a sense that Morrison was doing a good job. He was certainly getting a lot of praise for the way that he was handling things. Is that starting to change, do you think? Well, I think, uh, you know, when everybody's um, agreeing that we need to spend, say, even $70 billion, still a huge amount, it's not hard to see why you could get consensus. But as you come out and you start saying you're not going to be spending much and you're going to have to start sharing burdens and maybe they're not being shared equitably, the job gets a lot harder for the Prime Minister and, of course, people fall back into their worldviews and that's where you do get a clash of the worlds, a clash of the views and the consensus begins to uh, break down. Paul, thank you so much for your time today. No, I insist, Ruby, thank you. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Also in the news, News Corp Australia has confirmed that more than 100 local and regional newspapers will become digital only or disappear entirely with significant job losses. The exact number of jobs that will go is still unclear, but 36 print newspapers will close altogether. The announcement is the latest in a string of newsroom closures across the country and follows BuzzFeed shutting down its Australian operations and Network 10's decision to close its website, 10 Daily. And the United States has passed 100,000 coronavirus deaths, the highest death toll from the virus in the world. The nation with the second highest death toll is the United Kingdom, where more than 37,500 people have died. In Australia, the death toll remains at 103. This week, we celebrate one year of 7am. Thanks for all of your support. If you don't already subscribe, please do. It's free and it means that you won't miss an episode. And remember to rate and review the show. It does make a difference. 7am is a daily show from the monthly and the Saturday paper. It's produced by Ruby Schwartz, Atticus Basto and Michelle Macklem. Elle Marsh is our features and field producer in a position that's supported by the Judith Nielsen Institute for Journalism and Ideas. Brian Compo mixes the show. Our editor is Osman Faruqi. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. New episodes of 7am are released every weekday morning, just as they have been for the past 12 months. I'm Ruby Jones. See you next week.